Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, we've reached part five of our current study, Connecting the Dots of Prophetic Evidence. And today I'll pick up with the Fountain of Life commentary, where we left off with the seventh characteristic of the false prophet. And then we'll move on to address some of the official actions of the current pontiff of Roman Catholicism, which make him a very strong candidate for the role of the Antichrist's right-hand man. And so, getting back to the commentary, the seventh characteristic of the false prophet is that he will create a massive image of the beast to deceive the whole world. In verse 15 of Revelation chapter 13, we read that, And there was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast might even speak, and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. We do not know what type of image this will be, but it will appear to be alive and will speak, causing all who refuse to worship the beast to be killed. Some have suggested that the image will be a hologram, which would also give the impression of the Antichrist being all places at all times. If this will be the case, it would be Lucifer's counterfeit of the one true and only God's omnipresence. The eighth characteristic of the false prophet is that he will promote the Antichrist agenda of the mark, in which no one will be able to buy or sell without it. In verses 16 and 17 of the Revelation 13 chapter, it is written, And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and he provides that no one should be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Even now the stage is being set for the mark to be implemented through such agencies as the World Economic Forum and its Great Reset, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and their brainchild IT2020, and the United Nations via their Agenda 2030, just to name a few. And as far as technical advancements are concerned, they are taking sci-fi and transforming it from fiction's imagination to a stunning and frightening reality with such innovations as quantum dot technology and transhumanism, which we've covered in past messages. And we must not forget cryptocurrency, which is also playing a vital role in the Antichrist's new one-world agenda. And as these things unfold with striking prophetic certainty, the one-world religion is well on its way to becoming the footstool that will support the Antichrist's worldwide rule over all people on earth. Which brings us to Pope Francis. Of all the pontiffs who have ruled as head over Roman Catholicism, Francis is the strongest proponent of the New World Order and the greatest facilitator of the one-world religion. In one of his dramatic moves toward the formation of this worldwide religious empire, allow me to share an article provided by Technocracy News on June 20, 2020, where they write, A historic interfaith covenant was signed in the Middle East on Monday, 
and the mainstream media in the United States has been almost entirely silent about it. Sheikh Ahmed al-Talib is considered to be the most important diamond in Sunni Islam, and he arrived at the signing ceremony in Abu Dhabi with Pope Francis hand-in-hand in a symbol of interfaith brotherhood. But this wasn't just a ceremony for Catholics and Muslims. According to a British news source, the signing of this covenant was done in front of a global audience of religious leaders from Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and other faiths. In other words, there was a concerted effort to make sure that all of the religions of the world were represented at this gathering. According to the official Vatican website, a tremendous amount of preparation went into the drafting of this document, and it encourages believers from all religions to shake hands, embrace one another, kiss one another, and even pray with one another. There's a lot of language about peace in this document, but it goes way beyond just advocating for peace. Over and over again, the word for God is used to simultaneously identify Allah and the God of Christianity. On top of that, the document boldly declares that the diversity of religions that we see in the world was willed by God. In essence, this is saying that it is the will of God that there are hundreds of different religions in the world and that they are all acceptable in His sight. This is an abomination and a lie. God's word has made certain in holy proclamation that there is only one true God and only one way unto the eternal life that he alone can give. And that is through the blood atonement sacrifice of Jesus Christ the Lord. We know that the elite want a one-world religion, but to see the most important clerics from both Catholicism and Islam make such a dramatic public push for it is absolutely stunning, end quote. Beloved, in order to understand more fully Pope Francis's sway, not only as it concerns the one-world religion that he is working diligently to develop, but in the world's governmental operations, which in addition to his high religious position, he is fully entrenched. We must take a look at the inner workings of the Vatican and the Holy See, both of which the Pope rules over. As explained in their own official writings, the politics of Vatican City, which is also recognized as a country, take place in a framework of a theocratic, absolute elective monarchy in which the Pope, leader of the Catholic Church and the Bishop of Rome, exercises ex officio supreme legislative, executive, and judicial power over the Vatican City. The state of Vatican City, for its part, is recognized under international law as a sovereign territory. The Holy See, as the supreme body of government of the Catholic Church, is a sovereign juridical entity under international law. It is accepted as a sovereign that exchanges diplomatic relations with almost 180 states and participates in the realm of international organizations, such as the United Nations, as either a permanent observer or as a full member. The Holy See also finds itself fully engaged in the work of universal organs such as the United Nations, the Arab League, and the African Union. 
Another important fact about the status of the Holy See is that it is regularly invited to participate as an equal with other states in the diplomatic conferences and treaty negotiations where the voices of all sovereigns are sought. For example, it was a full partner in the meetings leading to the adoption of the Rome Statute for the International Criminal Court in the late 1990s. In the context of multilateral treaties, the Holy See is a party to many multinational treaties, including the Geneva Conventions of 1948. The Holy See's role and interest in the making of international law is designed, therefore, to advance and protect the legitimate interests of everyone and not just some interest, especially those of the powerful. The Holy See has a distinctive role in the international order concerned with the issues of peace, the common good, and the general welfare of all people." End quote. Beloved, after you get through that legal language, you can see that the very construct of the Vatican and Holy See, over which Pope Francis rules, positions him on the pedestal of power that enables him to wield great influence, both religiously and governmentally, over the entire world. In a commentary written for Rapture Forms entitled, Pope Francis Demands a One-World Government, they write, Pope Francis has been successfully executing the Vatican's well-defined strategy to create a one-world religion by way of his dedicated interfaith and ecumenical efforts. Now he is using his global influence and power to establish a one-world government. During a speech on May 8, 2019, before the members of the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences, Pope Francis demanded that a new supranational, legal-constituted body enforce climate change policies and other worldwide threats. He advocated a policy of decreased national sovereignty and increased global unity, claiming that planetary problems are exasperated by an excessive demand for sovereignty on the part of states. The Pope is trying to convince the world that our only hope for peace, prosperity, and planetary salvation is to surrender our national sovereignty. And regarding the hot topic of immigration, the Pope declared that nationalism is too easily twisted into a doctrine repugnant to the welcoming of immigrants. In other words, a global government is necessary to ensure the welfare of migrants and the universal common good. According to Francis, our only hope for planetary peace and progress is to make room for international organizations to develop into governing bodies, supplanting the state interest. He said that if we hope to save the planet, we must accept that we are one people and unite to create a space for dialogue and meeting for all countries in a spirit of mutual respect. He warned attendees that sovereign nations attempting to govern themselves will find that they are unable to protect their populations from the myriad menaces abroad in the world. He said that nation-state is no longer able to procure the common good of its populations alone. Rather than calling for the outright abolition of nation-states, the Pope insisted that they all be subjected to external global governing authorities. He went on to deride nations that have border walls. 
Avro Manhattan, a critic of the Holy See, said that the Vatican diplomacy is so influential and can exert such great power in the diplomatic political field because it has at its disposal the tremendous machinery of a spiritual organization with ramifications in every country of the planet. Many people are unaware of the political power of the papacy. Vatican City is a sovereign nation, and the Pope is the head of state. He can negotiate with other nations and enact laws with the same kind of power as prime ministers and presidents. For centuries, the Vatican has been a major influence in European political affairs. Its history is filled with political intrigue and the rise and fall of government leaders and national powers. Presidents, prime ministers, and royalty from all over the world have traveled to Rome, seeking an audience with the Pope to seek his counsel and to discuss matters of great political, economic, and social importance. And this is where we must close for today, beloved. Please join me next time. And until then, I leave you with Luke twenty-one twenty-eight. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And, as always, beloved, I bid you His agape. You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006, or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www.agapelightministries.com.